chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. As, As you know, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments the last couple of weeks, and as I was thinking about being Missions Month, I thought it's kind of strange to be uh, teaching on the Ten Commandments during Missions Month. We ought to be speaking, you know, I ought to be teaching about missions and so on and so forth. And and, and God very uh, clearly chastised my heart and reminded me that the Ten Commandments ultimately is about our hearts. And what is missions? That's exactly what missions is all about. The Ten Commandments were written to, uh, given to Moses so that Moses could present it to the people and so that the people could see their need for God and to show them their own hearts and the fact that within themselves they could accomplish nothing. Jay Stolwell wrote the following, The heart is used in Scripture as the most uh, comprehensive term for uh, authentic, for, excuse me, for the authentic person. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of conscience and decisive spiritual activity the comprehensive term for a person as a whole, his feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, understanding, and will, and the center of a person, the place to which God turns. It is the heart of each and every one of us tonight. Uh, tonight. Where did that come from? Uh, it is... Uh, it is... <laughs> it is... <laughs> wow. Uh, it is, it is God's desire to have your heart. Because if He has your heart, when He says, hey, I want you to go to Pontipay and build a retaining wall, you'll say, okay, I'll take two weeks off work. Your wife says, well, how are we going to pay the bills? I don't know, but God will provide. Yeah. <laughs> God always provides. Will you go? Will you help? Will you sacrifice? See, that's what missions is about. And, and for because I was a missionary, I, I talked about this last week. I'm I am very passionate about missions. Uh, I, I have seen uh, missionaries uh, who have been professional uh, doctors and and nurses uh, who have uh, lawyers and and I, I mean you name it, given up careers where they could have earned thousands if not millions of dollars to go to a third world country and to minister to people that don't have two sticks to rub together and live live oftentimes themselves in poverty for the simple purpose of propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ and we sit home in our in our in our in our comfortable homes and 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 say yes go get them 
but are we willing to go ourselves? See, that's, that's what missions is all about. And really, if you understand it, that's, that's what the Ten Commandments is all about as well. God wants your heart. Let's look at the first commandment. We, we've talked about the, the first seven, so we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to very quickly talk about the first seven, and then we'll get into the last three, and, and then we'll be done with the Ten Commandments. But uh, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God needs us or wants us to recognize that he is the one true God. Is that not a matter of the heart? Absolutely it is. God wants us. We need to acknowledge that there is one true God. The second one, uh, thou shalt make no other, uh, excuse me, thou shalt uh, make unto thee no graven images. Uh, that is what we call pluralism or, or the, the, what, is, what is fashionable today in our society is, oh, you worship the God that you want to worship. I'll worship the God that I want to worship and everything will be okay. That it doesn't work that way. Again, it goes straight to the heart of men. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Again, it is a it's an issue of the heart. Number four, remember the Sabbath to what? Keep it holy. Take time to rest physically and spiritually. We need that. God made us that way. If we do not rest physically, we will come apart physically. And if we do not rest spiritually, we will, we will do the same thing. We need rest. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother. And again, we, we talked in, in great length of this last week. Honor here is the giving respect uh, not only to merit, but to rank. Again, it's, uh, oh, by the way, uh, this is totally off subject. Uh, how many of you were in the Navy? Okay, happy birthday. Uh, today is the Navy's birthday. Uh, 244 years old today. I, I, saw, I found out that today. So anyway, happy birthday, all you sailors. Um, even the CB over here. You're, you're kind in the Navy. <laughs> Uh, um, I don't know where that came from, but anyway, oh, the rank thing—it's like it's like saluting an officer that you know the, you you work with them and and you don't always respect them, but you salute that you salute the the, the 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 rank that they carry on their collar. That's what this is. Honor thy father and thy mother. The, again, the, is that is this not an issue of the heart? Number six: Thou shalt not kill. Life matters every excuse me every life matters i don't care what color it is every life matters again an issue of the heart and then number seven thou shalt not commit adultery adultery is a matter of the heart and that is the sin uh, ultimately would be against god in Matthew chapter 15, there's an interesting dialogue between Peter and Jesus uh, that I wanted to, to kind of uh, open up with uh, this morning. It's, it, it, but it, th this dialogue ends with an interesting statement by, by our Lord. 
Matthew chapter 15, verses 15 and following says this, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are, are, are ye also yet without understanding? <clears throat> Do uh, not ye uh, yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth uh, into the belly? And is cast out of uh, cast out uh, into the draught, but those things which proceedeth out of the uh, mouth cometh forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. Let, let me stop right there. Is that not the Ten Commandments, basically? So, out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. So, out of the heart we break the Ten Commandments. Now, verse 20 is an interesting... I had never seen this before, but as I was thinking and praying and studying, uh, <clears throat> I, I saw this, this verse and I thought, wow, what an, what an incredible statement Jesus makes. In verse 20, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man. You say, okay, what, what does that mean? In other words, what, what, what is Jesus trying to tell us here in verse 20? We are more concerned about telling our children to wash their hands before meals than we are allowing things to come into their lives that will defile them. See, we're, we're more concerned with the physical man than we are the spiritual man. <clears throat> and the, the Ten Commandments is a mirror of sorts that as we hold it up and we look into the Ten, Ten Commandments and examine our own lives, God can show us the things that are truly defiled. He shows us our hearts. But natural man... Every one of us is far more concerned about washing our hands before we eat than what we watch on TV. What we see in the movie house, the entertainment that we do, the conversations that we have. See, we're more concerned about washing our hands and making sure we don't have any germs than we are our hearts. Jesus gives us an incredible word picture here in verse 20. And I'll tell you, I, when, I, when I read that and understood what Jesus was implying, I'm just being honest, my heart sunk. Because there have been times, obviously, in my life that I've been more concerned with washing my hands than washing my eyes and my ears and my thoughts. As I contemplated the idea of being God-centered, because is, is that not what the Ten Commandments are really about, is to get us God-centered? And as I, as I contemplated this idea of being God-centered, it, it, it re, I, I realized, what is the opposite of God-centered? Self-centered. And self-centered is is totally opposite of, of what scripture teaches is it not Ephesians or excuse me Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, <clears throat> but in lowliness of mind let every uh, uh, each of uh, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also to the things of others. James chapter three verse uh, sixteen. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Each of us is bent towards selfishness. Each of us. We, we all struggle with that. Well, what is, you know, what is best for me? Okay? I understand that question. This is Missions Week. Let me ask you, what is best for the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, what's best for me is not always best for the gospel. Sometimes it takes sacrifice. Sometimes it takes us getting out of our comfort zones. We all have them. And not one of us likes to leave our comfort zone. But sometimes we need to do that. Believers in Jesus Christ have a precious gift called the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. Hereby know that we... <clears throat> hereby know we that... Uh, we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. The question becomes, do we allow the Spirit to guide us? That's the question. Paul, I, I, I love the Apostle Paul and his writings. Uh, you know, I, I understand that God is the author of Scripture, but God used the personalities of the different writers to, to help us. And, and, and it's the struggle of the Holy Spirit oftentimes in our lives that uh, we all struggle with. And, and I, I had one of the guys out at the prison <clears throat> last Friday as I was out there. I, I shared something very personal uh, with the prison or something that that's going on in my in my my life uh, currently and and one of them came up to me afterward and he said you know I wanted to thank you for that he said um, uh, oftentimes we feel like uh, a lot of the pastors that come and preach out here uh, are are perfect that that they don't have the same problems that we have. And and I, <laughs> I just laughed. I just laughed. I thought, man, if you only knew, if you only knew. But one of the things that I I, I love, and and this is one of my favorite passages of scripture, because God often reminds me that I'm not the only one that struggles. In Romans chapter seven, verses eighteen and nineteen, Paul said, "For I know." that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 
For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul struggled with the exact same thing you and I struggle with. And I don't know about you, but I find comfort in that. I find comfort in the fact that, you know what? Even a guy like the Apostle Paul struggled with doing right sometimes. Commandment number eight. Thou shalt not steal. Let's look at verse 15. Chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. Very, very simple. Very straightforward. Thou shalt not steal. Pretty pretty simple. You would think, how in the world can you preach on that? Well, I'm going to try to, okay? Uh, <clears throat> we learn in Ephesians chapter 4 that there are only three ways to acquire wealth. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Okay, you work for it, you have it given to you, or you steal it. Okay, there's only three ways. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, Let him that steal, uh, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that uh, the thing which is good, that he might give to him that needeth. So there are three ways to attain wealth. Work for it, have it given to you, or steal it. Now, it's, it's, it's obvious that it's wrong to steal, is it not? I mean, that's, that's really a no-brainer. But occasionally, and not very often, but occasionally I, I get asked, is it, is it wrong to receive money through inheritance or even gambling? Uh, I think the reason I'm asked that is obviously where we live. But I want to answer it with a verse. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. The word vanity here literally means the opposite of labor. In other words, wealth gotten by doing nothing will, shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. So I'm going to let you draw your own conclusion there. Uh, <clears throat> stealing goes to the very core of selfishness. Remember we talked a few minutes ago about our lives hopefully uh, being God-centered. Stealing goes to the very opposite of God-centered and it goes to the very core of being selfish. I deserve what you have. That's, 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 that, that goes to the very core of, of selfishness. Now, I, I did a, a quick study, and I, I probably could have found some more, but I, I found several, and I thought I'd share these, but these are uh, types of theft listed in Scripture. Okay. Uh, again, this is just a, a, a quick list that I, I put together. Um, uh, we rob, one type is we rob from our children when we do not raise them properly. That's an interesting thought, is it not? Uh, uh, rob wages from those that work for us. We are told multiple times if we are employers to 
to pay and treat our people properly. Uh, well, another way that we, we rob is from our employers. If we do not give an honest day's uh, work for an honest day's wage, what have we done? We stole. We, uh, <clears throat> even Jesus said that we robbed the poor. How do we do that? By not having compassion. We rob from the widows and the fatherless. We rob from one another. And then in Malachi, we are very, very sternly told that we rob from God. See, there are multiple ways that we can, we can steal. That, but the problem is, what do we do? We justify it by saying, well, you know, you don't understand or, you know, whatever. God still calls it stealing. Stealing is something that each and every one of us is guilty of. Even cheating on your taxes. Oh, Pastor, you didn't go there, did you? I sure did. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Verse 6, 16. <clears throat> Again, another straightforward commandment. But simply put, don't lie. Be honest in everything that you do. Warren Risby wrote this about, about, about lying. He said, speaking the truth and honor, honoring promises is the uh, cement that holds society together. To tell lies in court is to undermine the very law itself, which explains why Moses required the witnesses to be the executioners in capital crimes. He goes on to say, it's, it's one thing to lie, but quite something else uh, to lie in order to protect your, your lie. Or, excuse me, take a life in order to protect a life. So, so what God did in, in, in Deuteronomy uh, 17 is if you were the one making an accusation that somebody was a murderer... God said, okay, that's a capital crime. But because you saw it, you were the one that gets to pull the trigger. Now, what is that going to do? If somebody truly sees somebody murder someone, then it's going to be a little easier to, to do that, is it not? But that's what God said. This commandment also prohibits the slandering of people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verses 17 and 19. He that speaketh uh, truth uh, showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like uh, the piercing of a sword, but the tongue is of the, uh, of the wise. The tongue of the wise is health. The lip of the lip of truth shall be established forever, but the lying tongue is but for a moment. Now, I'm going to be very transparent like I was at the prison. Now, this, this is not what I told the prisoners. This is, this is totally different. But I am going to be perfectly honest for a moment. There are two things, two things 
that I absolutely hate to my inner core. And that is when somebody <clears throat> steals or lies to me. It, it, there's just there's something in me that it goes to that most inner core. Now you can you can cuss me, you can do things, and and I, I you know it still hurts, but I can. It's easier to forgive. Does that make sense? But if you steal from me or lie for, lie to me. There's something inside of me that just that just clamps down and it hurts. And I know most of you in this room and most of you feel the same way. And as 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 I was processing this and sitting at my desk typing it out and putting it on paper God spoke to my heart. And he said, "Rick, how many times have you lied to me? How many times have you stole from me? Don't you think my heart hurts too? I'll be honest with you. I really struggled with that. Sitting at my desk under absolute total conviction. Because the truth is, and God knows, and you know, I have never there have been times that I've not been totally honest with God. And if you're honest with yourself, you can say the same thing. And there have been times that I've not given God a hundred percent. And I've robbed from God. And here I I was going through my self-righteous uh, attitude about people stealing from me and, and 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 lying to me, and God says, What about me? You know, I I, I felt like I was about that big. As we struggle through life, I like to I like to put it this way as we muddle our way through life. What is God trying to get a hold of? Our hearts. I have another question for you. Who is the father of lies? Satan is. In John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44, it says, Why do you under, not understand my speech, even because ye uh, cannot hear my words? Ye are of, of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye, do, uh, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. But he speaketh, lie, speaketh a lie. He speaketh uh, of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. As I sat at my desk thinking, I thought, boy, you know, every time that I'm not perfectly honest with God, 
Where's that coming from? That's coming from Satan. That's coming from my flesh. Every time that that <clears throat> I I I don't give God a hundred percent of my life, which unfortunately is more often than I'm willing to admit. I'm giving way to Satan in my life. Number 10, verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservants, nor his maidservants, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Thou shalt not covet. Simply put, can, we need to learn how to control our desires. We need to learn how to control our desires. 100% of the 10th commandment goes straight to our hearts. 100%. To covet is to, to, to sow the seed of that inward desire for something that you do not have, something that you want. When we allow our hearts to become covetous or to allow our hearts to covet the things of others, we lose control of our lives. We, we absolutely lose control. I believe, now I could be totally wrong, but I believe that's why God made this the last one. And as I thought and contemplated, I thought of King David. King David is a perfect example <clears throat> of someone who lost control of his desires. David stole Bathsheba from Uriah. Then he had Uriah killed in battle. And then he tried to lie and to cover it up. If that's not losing control, I don't know what is. Then Nathan the prophet comes to David and he confronts him with his sin. And David goes into <clears throat> a state of mourning of sorts when he realized what he had done. I don't know uh, until I get to heaven and able to ask David, but I don't know that David really truly understood until, until he was confronted by Nathan. I don't really believe that David had totally understood everything that he had done. And that's, and that's, what, that's what happens when we covet, when, when, we, when we lose control of our lives and everything becomes about what I can get and what I can do. We don't understand it until it's almost too late. But praise God, it's never too late. Psalm 51 is one of my favorite psalms. I read it often because it is the psalm that David wrote after Nathan confronted him with his sin. And it is an incredible reminder that it is never too late. Psalm 51, verses 3 and 4. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Is that true? 
No, he had sinned against uh, uh, Uriah and Bathsheba and, 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 and the list can go on and on and on. But what did David have to do? David had to realize that his sin ultimately ended at the feet of God. And guess where our sin ultimately ends? The same place. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be uh, uh, justified uh, <clears throat> when thou speakest and be uh, clear when thou judgest. And let's skip down to verse 17. And the, and the sacrifice of the sacrifices of God are a what? Broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. See, it's never too late. It's never too late. David had, had, had committed some of the most incredible atrocities that can ever be listed. But he was able to go to God and say, God, forgive me. I have done this horrible thing and I've sinned against you. And in verse 17, he, he breaks it down very, very simply. And the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. What does God want from us? Our hearts. It's really pretty simple. We have seen the pattern of our hearts in the Ten Commandments. I hope, at least I hope you have. I see it very, very clearly. But I want to talk just for a couple of minutes about the progression of the Ten Commandments. I had never noticed this before uh, until I was actually starting to look at it. And the progression, what do you mean by progression? Well, the first commandment leads to the second commandment, does it not? The second commandment leads to the third. The third leads to the fourth and, and so on and so forth. And you, then you get down to the tenth. Ending with the possibility of a life that is totally out of control. But if we will keep the first commandment, then we'll never get to the second. If we keep the second, first and second, we'll never get to the third. You see the progression? So if we keep the first commandment, keeping God, God in our lives, then we never have to struggle with covetousness. We never have to struggle with stealing or lying or adultery or killing or honoring our father and our mother or keeping the Sabbath or any of the other ten if we understand that we have no other God before us but the God of heaven. Missions is all about our hearts. I want to close this morning with a question. Very, very simple question. And, and do not answer this out loud, okay? This is for something for you to ponder. Because this is the question that God made me answer sitting at my desk. What does your heart look like? I don't know how you're going to answer that. I know how I answered it. But what does your heart look like? Only you truly know your heart. 
Now, you could look at me and you could say, okay, I think I know what's going on in his heart. You have no clue. And I can do the same thing. Nobody can answer that but you. What does your heart look like? God desperately wants your heart. And if he has your heart and he is your God, then the rest of the commandments take care of themselves. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,